All right, Fred, we're going to go just straight into this thing. Let's do it. You're a sophomore at the University of Texas. I am. You're also the CEO and founder of a startup <laughs> on the planet. Yes, yeah, that is true. Okay, so how old are you? 19. You're 19 years old. Uh-huh. So take us to the first quarter of your life. Take us up to about five. So who's like the young Freddy? What does the young Freddy look like, smell like, act like? <laughs> smell like, um, like roses. That's how I smell. <laughs> no, um, but zero to five, obviously my memory isn't too great, but I remember my mom, she always tells me about how bored I used to get. And how I was always looking for something to do. And, like, I wouldn't let her take naps, and I wouldn't let her do her own thing, because I was like, Ma, let's play a game. Mom, mom, <laughs> mom. And any time nowadays that I'm sitting around the house, like today, and I'm just looking bored, my mom will tease me about being <laughs> bored. But, yeah, I remember I was always looking for something to do. Also, I had a really, really big head when I was a kid. Like, literally, <laughs> like it was large. You've grown into it. <laughs> they can't see you, but I can. You've grown into it. So... So you're the kid that's always looking for something to do. You're you're the one that's like five minutes down for nap, and then it's time to go have yeah some real fun. <laughs> so how about through elementary school? What was that like? Public, private? Public. I love my elementary school. What's uh, the name of it? Cottonwood Creek Elementary. You still around? I actually went back in my senior year of high school, and I went and I taught there because I missed what? elementary. I swear. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Back up. So... <laughs> Okay, we're going to fast forward now. Yeah. You did what? Yeah, my senior year, there's a program at my high school called Ready, Set, Teach, and mm. it allows students to take a portion of their day and go teach an elementary school. It's meant for kids who are interested in being a teacher, and I did it partially because I thought it sounded really fun and partially because I've always liked teaching and I've always liked kids that age, and so I'm like, hey, this sounds like a fun way to use my time, hmm. and I managed to get in with my favorite teacher of all time, my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Eubank. Mr. Eubank. He's, he taught me so many things. Just an awesome role model. But I got to spend the year in there with his kids and him. It was awesome. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it. Yeah. So, what are you like in elementary school? I mean, are you starting to get some idea of what you think you may want to do? Or are you just going through the motions? Oh, no. This isn't some. This isn't <laughs> like some fairy tale when like I was like seven years old. I knew I wanted You're to You're not be... peddling gum in the bathroom no, or anything? No, no. It's always, it always sounds more glamorous. Like you hear the stories like Damon John or something when they're like, they make their own hats in their basement and like they're selling it to people. No, it was never that glamorous. I just remember my character because when I was a kid, I was a smart kid and I would always get frustrated pretty easily when people... Not saying that I'm like miles ahead of people, but like when people couldn't keep up hmm. physically or mentally because I was go, 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 go. And so I remember just being like that guy who was just always trying to go on to the next thing and like go, go, go. Hmm. And I was a little ball of energy. But no, I was not. I was not like <laughs> you, you slinging, are, yeah. slinging anything. You weren't making widgets down the basement. No. <laughs> so are you in sports? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Back in elementary school, I did everything. I was a little scrawny kid. I played football. I remember that. That didn't go so well. Basketball, then and today, still my favorite sport. I love that. Baseball, you name it. Hmm. I was a really good wiffle ball player in my backyard. Hmm. That was enough. <laughs> okay, now let's get into junior high. Oh, man. What's happening now? Oh, just hormones everywhere. <laughs> just <laughs> everywhere. all of this. Yeah. I mean, there's a mental blocks there. I remember I was actually really into theater back huh. then, which uh, made me a total dweeb, but... I mean, it's helpful to be able to perform yeah. like, in that, that There's kind some of people sense. who've done pretty well for themselves yeah. in theater. Yeah, so I remember I, I did that. That was my big thing in middle school. I actually almost went to a performing arts high school for it, but I decided that theater wasn't for me, and so I just went to the public high school in my town. Hmm. 
High school. High school. I remember I got terribly bored of it after like two and a half years. Hmm. Going through high school and all that it made me really want to do something about education. That's something that I've always been passionate about. And that's hmm. kind of why I went back and, and taught those younger kids. But I could go on a rant in a while about how I don't really like the education system. Especially, What's wrong with it? Tell us, yeah. I'll save you some of it. But where I grew up, I remember it was my junior year. They spent, I think it was some crazy amount of money, and they bought every kid iPads. Hmm. And it was just like this massive bill that they paid. And, you know, they put a couple million towards a new football stadium. And it just didn't feel like the resources were being used in the right way. And they were trying to embrace technology. I admire that. And that's a good idea. But I don't think that they were doing it correctly. And it was almost like they're trying to usher in this new wave of technology and flipped classrooms and all that. But they're still sticking to the the core of everything being traditional. You know, hmm. you have eight hours at school every day. You have this many classes. You have different teachers. There's grades, A, B, C, D. And so it was almost like... They had a foot in both camps, and I feel like a lot of schools are going this way, especially where I grew up, but just having a foot in both camps without being able to really have the stones to switch from something that's based on like grades and A-pluses and B-minuses to something that's better for kids learning. Hmm. So then you take this desire to disrupt education and you come to the University of Texas? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. You should I mean... be ended up in like some sort of like Claremont McKenna or... I don't know, some liberal arts. Yeah, no, I mean, this podcast is about taking risks. Man. That, that, I guess like, that I want to look... stick with the screwed up educational system. Yes, exactly, because that's, that's what's best, and it's worked for everyone else. Um, but that's part of the reasons I did want to come to UT, because I knew that it was much more than just like a churning out accountants kind of place. Hmm. And there's space at UT for you to do whatever you want. Hmm. And also, it's priced very well, so that, yes. that helps as well. <laughs> What do you think is one thing that you do each day that separates you from other people? Well, first off, I have to say, I don't think that I should be separated from anyone else. I think we're all... Well, I'll say separate. You know, I don't mean, yeah. I mean this in a, like a segregated sort of way, but something that... <laughs> I mean, you've got a great GPA. You're in a very difficult program. You're at a really good school. You're doing well. You're an entrepreneur. I mean, you're juggling a lot. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you think probably helps you be more efficient, more productive than others? Well, I think what really has helped me the most is something that's also hurt me the most. And that's my desire. A problem that I had when I first started working on the, the company and I would try and do everything that I could because I really wanted to be successful. And so I'd work whenever I had the chance. And that's all I was doing just because... I wanted to be successful and I wasn't too connected with going to a party every Friday night or hanging out with my friends four hours a day, which not saying I was like alone or anything, but that's what helped me get off my feet is being so addicted to the idea of success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm looking at it today and I'm kind of looking back and realizing that I wasn't necessarily doing it for the right reasons. Obviously, it's not great to do it for the wrong reasons, but it's better to do it for the wrong reasons than not to do it at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that that just burning desire to make something of myself because I've had so many opportunities. It's it's ridiculous. Hmm. Um, so talk about Beep Beep Advertising. Tell us what it is. Beep Beep Advertising, that is my company. So the idea is pretty simple. These drivers of the ride share and food delivery services like Uber, Lyft, Favor, Postmates, these cars are driving around all the time. And these drivers are obviously looking to make money with their cars. 
So the idea is to pay those drivers to carry advertisements on their vehicles. So on the driver's side, they're getting paid to drive around. They don't have to do anything extra. And then on the company side, I could go into the great stats on effectiveness of car apps, but I don't want to bore you. But bore it's, us, it's a bore really, us. No, tell us. So car apps, uh, for people who don't know, it's just like big stickers that go on the cars. And they're a great way to actually reach people because they're not too traditional and medium. You know, hmm. people see however many billboards a day, however many online advertisements a day. And car apps are, are something that catch your eye. And I think it's something like they have a recall rate in the 70 to 80%, which is really good for advertising, hmm. anywhere from thirty to 70,000 impressions per day. And so it's just a really great way to get the word out. And then they're also really memorable. I think they have the, the second highest rating of memorability right behind TV, and they're significantly hmm. cheaper. So they're, they're really great. They're really cost-effective. And so those companies are getting really great advertising, and those drivers are getting free money, which everyone likes. So what was for you, like, the aha, this is what I have to do, this is it? It wasn't as sexy as that. It, was, <laughs> it started during the first or second week of school. They have the tabling during those first couple of weeks. There's 70 or 80 different clubs everywhere, and that's just too much for me. And so I'm not trying to, like, make eye contact with the people because you don't want to have to hear their pitch for whatever club you don't want to join. And so I'm kind of keeping my head down as I'm walking through this one day, and I'm looking down, and all of a sudden, like, I look up, and I'm about to run into this table. And so I'm like, whoa. And this guy's at this table, and he says to me, hey, do you want to start a company? And I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is something. I was like, yeah, sure. And so it turns out that the guy at the table was from a program called Freshman Founders, which is a program at UT that is dedicated towards introducing freshmen on campus to entrepreneurship. And so I go to one of these meetings, one of the info sessions, and they're talking about this freshman founders program and how we're going to go do all these cool events. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then at the end of the presentation, they say, also, we have a program within freshman founders called Launchpad. And if you're interested, you apply with an idea and we'll help you start your own company. Hmm. And I don't know why, but that kind of was like, hey, that'd be fun. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> so wait, hold on. I mean, was this on your mind before? I mean, you're here, you're, you're in the business yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were um, you thinking entrepreneurship or were you thinking you wanted to be like a miserable accountant then? Or I, knew, I knew coming in that I was so against the system. Um, <laughs> and this is because I worked a lot in high school. Like the last two years of high school, I worked at a Nike store. I love Nike. Everyone does. But during that time, I was kind of like starting to learn a lot about the real world and like how real companies work. And I was starting to learn, uh, you know, working for a big company isn't for me because I'm someone who craves responsibility for better or worse. And at a company as big as Nike, when I was just a retail salesman, I could do whatever I want and wouldn't get in trouble. But at the same time, I could do whatever I want and I couldn't get recognized. So I took that mentality coming into my freshman year and I'm like, Maybe I want to work for a smaller company. I kind of like startups. And I've always been into renewable energy. That's something that's always been just so cool to me because, hmm. one, I think it's a massive market opportunity. There's lots of money to be made eventually. And two, you know, obviously giving back and like doing something that actually makes the world a better place. So I kind of came in and I was thinking, hey, maybe I can do some sort of startup in the renewable energy. I don't really know anything about engineering, but, you know, who knows what will happen. And I was relatively open-minded. And then this happened. And so I kind of got started working on the company. And after that meeting, when I learned about the Launchpad program, which was going to help students start their own companies, I kind of looked through my notes because I have a list of ideas. I think everyone does, but just like stupid ideas. Is this like a Google? No, it's just like on my just, phone, just like Apple just Notes. Oh, yeah, Apple, yeah. Yeah. And there were some terrible ideas in there. One of them, I don't know what, I just wrote Pancake Hibachi. 
I don't know what that, what that is. I guess it's like, I don't know, saving that one. But And then I saw one of them was pay people to put ads on their cars. Hmm. And I remember I was like looking at it and I, I like called up my dad right then. And I was like, hey, you think this could actually be a thing? And my daddy's been awesome throughout this whole process. And he's like, yes, I think it could because X, Y, and Z and it's worth trying out and you should apply this program and, and do it. And so I applied and I got in. That was awesome. <laughs> and so I started working with the the freshman founders and Launchpad. There's some great people working with it. One of my buddies, his name is Mitch. He runs a startup. He did it. He was actually a sophomore last year and he did it the year before. And he runs a startup called Concert Cam. That's really cool. You'll upload a video of a concert and it'll enhance the audio because, you know, <laughs> concert videos, it's always like yeah on the audio. And so he was kind of leading that, that Launchpad program and he was doing a great job of introducing us to entrepreneurship and he's he's a really blunt guy and so it was good to have that guiding me along and so I went through the launch pad process that was starting in October so I started kicking around the idea a little bit trying to figure out how to make it work then about a month in I realized because I actually had a site up and like it didn't really do anything at the time. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was kind of like running around with my chicken, like like a chicken with my head cut off. Like, hey, let's make this thing. Let's so make it happen. Go back up. So was it like you go, you go to GoDaddy and you get the site and you have, yeah. you have it up and then you kind of put some stuff up and say, okay, I'll Yeah, exactly. I'll it was this. like it was like on the, the GoDaddy website builder, which for people who've never built a website before, that thing is terrible. It looks like it's from 2005. It was just this terrible site. And I built it all myself, which I, I was proud of. Um, and so I had this site sitting out there and I was like telling everyone like, hey, go to my website do this thing. It's going to be great. And like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like, so churched <laughs> up, like, let's make this happen. And one day someone actually applied who drove, I actually had a driver apply and she drove for favor. Pause. Pausing. Were you marketing this thing? Were you? I was posting it in Facebook groups. I remember I bought like a ton of flyers, but I was like putting them under people's cars and I put them like in the UT garages, which is not technically legal. Um, and so I put these flyers everywhere and I didn't know what I was doing, but it was just like what I've learned growing up, which I've learned is wrong since, but like I got this thing, so I'm just going to advertise it and people will give me a lot of money. No, wait, why is this wrong? I don't know if this is, I mean, this is like the beginning of something that's taken off, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't really have a product and I didn't know how I was going to do it. So like at that stage, if, if a company had like called me up and been like, Freddie, your idea is great. I want to give you $10,000 to do this much advertising. I would have been like, great. Yeah. I would take the money and like run to Mexico. I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't have known what to do. And so I was just, I, I was advertising like a half-baked idea. Hmm. And I think that's a problem that like a lot of kids have when they're starting their own company. I see it all the time. If your company is that good, then you shouldn't really need to advertise it. Hmm. Um I mean, Let me push back on you for a little bit. Yeah, right? go for it. Go for it. I think they're on the other end of the spectrum. A lot of young folks and old folks plan themselves and strategize themselves to death, right? So they that's true. They, they overbuild. That's true. And they never just push it out there in the marketplace and kind of let fail fast. Fail fast. Yes, right? and I, I agree, and I, th I think that's a good counterpoint. But I'm just specifically speaking to people who are just advertising and like don't know what, yeah. what it even means like, like oh i got 200 customers what am i gonna do now like yeah exactly <laughs> and, that, and that kind of stuff and just like advertising for advertising sake because that's what they think helps a company grow when really what hmm. helps a company grow is a good product if you have a good product run with it that's good and there's a point where you can just sit in a corner and build something that you think is cool but people <laughs> won't think it's cool so yeah I, I got in that and i was like advertising it with no reason and this one lady applies and she was a driver for favor and i was like yeah I wonder if I can do that. And so I had actually 
I'd run into the, the founder at some event on campus, just another like UT awesome startup thing, but like the founder of Favor. And I got his email address and I like shot him an email saying like, hey, am I allowed to do this with your drivers? And he says, yeah, they're independent contractors. You do what you want with them. And that got me thinking like, well, I mean, if the ones for Favor are independent contractors, then the ones from Uber and Lyft must be. And those people are on the road all the time and companies would definitely want to advertise. And so hmm. at that point, like I looked at the idea more and I was like, wow, this is awesome. It solves all my problems. And this is like really something that could be really special with those companies growing so quickly and advertising. People are always looking to spend money. And so I was like, hey. This is really cool. And so that kind of got me going again. And I think that's when I applied to Longhorn Startup, which would be like end of November. Um, tell people what... Yeah, Longhorn Startup, it's a class actually at UT. Awesome. It's run by a guy named Josh Bear who founded Capital Factory downtown. And for people who don't know what Capital Factory is, it's essentially, we call it the hub of entrepreneurship in Austin. It's a co-working space, but there's a ton of events there. Every time I go there, there's, like, another picture of Josh Bear with Obama or, like, another presidential candidate or someone just ridiculously famous. Like, everyone goes there. It's a really great place. But so Josh runs this program, which gives students course credit for working on their startups, all great resources of mentors and all sorts of great stuff like that. And so I applied and I got in, which was crazy because, you know, I was just a freshman by myself. And I remember, like, the whole thing was that it's supposed to be a team. And, like, I was sitting here, like this is meant for teams of upperclassmen. Was this a mistake? And so I remember going to the first day of class the next semester. I was in a long run startup. I'm like, all right, I got this cool idea. I guess it's cool enough to be here. So I'm going to be here. <laughs> um, and so I started to ride out with that. I got connected with two great mentors. One was named Matt or his name, Matt. He founded and sold a company called Brew Drop, which was alcohol delivery. And then another Matt is the best sales guy I've ever met. The guy's crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I ended up needing because Oh, Lordy, sales. That's something that's such a necessary evil that a lot of kids don't learn. And I'm really thankful that Matt was in my life because he would not shut up about it and like made me learn. And then another mentor that I got paired up with, his name is, is Joe. He runs a company called Broomly, which is kind of like a one-stop shop for home improvement services. Hmm. So like uh, pool cleaners, lawnmowers, all that in one app. But they're both really awesome guys. And throughout the semester, they really helped me along in transitioning this from like something that was just like a little kitty project that I was doing into like something that would actually be cool to buy. And so around February, I've been in this program for like a month. And at this point, I was like finally getting the courage because that was something that was a huge problem for me, getting the courage to go talk to advertisers, which it's scary. <laughs> like I mentioned that sales is such a necessary evil. It's something that I knew nothing about. And the idea of cold calling a company to see if they want to buy my thing. That just terrified me. Hmm. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I think a lot of kids struggle with that and getting over that fear. Is... How'd you get over it? How'd you get it? I'm still not over it. It's still tough some days, you know, cause I have to do it every day for my, my internship that I'm doing, but it's just doing it a lot hmm. and making yourself look like an idiot quite a few times. And then realizing that, you know, Hey, it's kind of fun. It's starting to have fun with it. But the main thing is just doing it. And then when you get tired, do it some more. And then when you feel like an idiot, you do it some more, whether it be picking up a phone or walking into stores to talk to people, but just getting over that first hump of learning how to legitimately sell and like getting that courage is something that was really difficult for me. Hmm. But I finally did. And one day I managed to get into a meeting with the co-op. The lady was just super nice. And like, she immediately responded to my email, like, yeah, come by. And the co-op is? Yes. The university co-op on the, everyone on Guadalupe street, it's the bookstore. They have UT everything. And so I was like, Hey, maybe they want to advertise. And so I shot her a note like saying, hey, I'm 
the line that I used was, I'm working on a project for this class, because I found that people were much more inclined to answer a student who was yes. working on Which, it's not a lie, because I was in the class, Longhorn Startup, and it was a project. And so nice. that helped me get my foot in the door, <laughs> which... Kids my age, if you're listening and you want to start a company, do it now because that student card is the most valuable thing of all time. You're not as threatening as you are with a Gmail account and exactly. two years. Exactly. Outside. If you got that yep. Texas email address, hold on to it and milk it. <laughs> That's got me everything that I have. That's a key point, though. I think for students, the key point is as long as you have that .edu. Yes. And I see this now as a lecturer here, and it's different getting an email from a current student saying, hey, I need help mm-hmm. or I want to talk. Versus someone who's been out of school for X number of years, yeah. you're just more inclined, I think, to want to help students, especially help if they Brad lie to you and tell you it's a project they're working on for class, right? Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> it wasn't a who's going to say no to that? No, yeah, no, exactly. No, 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 exactly. No, no, no. Um, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And also for kids my age, there are some people who are having to pay their way through college and that's totally respectable. But someone like me, I'm fairly well off and my parents are paying for tuition for me. And so... Hmm. This time of my life, I don't have to worry about affording to eat, affording to get a place to sleep. So literally, like, it's the best time of my life to start a company. <laughs> a lot of people may disagree, but that's what I think. So yes, I get in the meeting with this co-op lady, and we talk about the idea, and she was really receptive, and she's like, yeah, you know, it sounds really good. I always like outdoor advertising. Shoot me over some quotes. We'll think about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is the best thing ever. She loves me. Um, and so I, I immediately email over the quotes. I'm like, thank you for taking the time. This is great. I'm looking forward to it. Freddie. And a week goes by and I hear nothing. Two weeks go by and I hear nothing. Three weeks go by and I hear nothing. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I was so excited. And now I was like, well, what do I do now? And that's a moment that you get a lot when you're starting a company. It's just like, well, what's, what now? <laughs> and I remember I was having one of those moments four weeks after I talked to her. And then all of a sudden I get an email from her saying, Hey, Freddie, sorry it took so long to get back to you, but we want to move forward with this. And I was like, Uh, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it ended up being legit. And she was serious. We agreed. And we, she said, Hey, we want to do, want to run two advertisements. So that'd just be two separate cars with co-op ads on them just for a month. And so I was like, wow, this is the best thing ever. Hmm. I mean, I still got the check framed on my wall. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, we work it out and it comes around March and we were getting it started like right after South by. So mid to late March, we get it rolling and I find my drivers who drove, both of them drove for Uber and we put the ads on their cars and they drove around for a month and it was awesome. No one got hurt. Nice. And yeah, we tracked it the whole way some other like value that the company brings is it's not just finding companies drivers it's also tracking the advertisements which is something that's really big for companies being able to see that their money's being well spent and that makes sense um and that's so you're able to give data on you know uh, you know miles I, and neighborhoods and heat demo- maps yeah, and then yeah. um or i was able to develop a rough very rough impressions calculator based on where the cars drive in the city hmm. there's data everywhere about how traffic is at different parts of the city, how population density is in different parts of the city. And so I was able to kind of split Austin into like, I think it's like 30 some odd different zones Hmm. of similar impression patterns. And you can tell based on how much time each car spends in each zone, how many people are seeing the ad. And so that's, that's a great thing. Companies really like that. And so, yeah, I get all this, this data and it works great. And I do it with the co-op and they loved it. And the month goes by, we take off the ads. They're like, great. This isn't really peak season for us, you know, obviously because it's summer not many people are coming, but come around football season, we'd love to do one again. And so I'm like, okay, this this is great. And so now I'm in the meantime, I got this one growing. 
let's get some more. And that's a lot easier than it sounds. <laughs> that whole time, there's... Yeah, it's, this is something that, that was really tough for me, especially, is because, you know, people are going to let you down. And I, you know, I had so many deals that were, like, 70% of the way, 80% of the way, 90% of the way. And it may just be a reflection on me being a poor closer, but people will stop responding to you. People will, will change their mind. People will say no. People will bail. And that, that really sucked for a good couple months there. Those cars were off the road. I didn't really have anything going. And so I was just kind of like, well, what now? And so this is coming... Right there, what yeah. makes you keep picking up the phone? You talked about mm. people getting 70% of the way and then falling off. And yes. 80%. What is it that pushes you to keep pounding the pavement? I talked a bit earlier about doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think that at that time, I wasn't quitting for the wrong reasons. A lot of it was, was I was scared to quit. And even though it wasn't the best reason to keep going, it obviously worked out for me in the end. But I read a book recently. It's about an ultra runner, which for those people who don't know, those are the ridiculous people. They run like hundreds of miles in a race. And, you know, this guy, like he had this whole chapter on like knowing when to quit, which was weird because it was, you know, it's the last chapter in the book. The whole book was like, pursue your dreams, do, do your best and always never give up and all this. And then the last chapter is like, knowing when to give up. And it talked a lot about how people are generally scared to, to give up what they've come so far for. And a lot of times they do that to a fault. Hmm. And, What's the name of the book? Uh, we'll get it. Cause we'll, we'll, we'll want to put that in the, in the show notes. Yes, God. We'll get it from me. I, I was just trying, I was talking about it to my mom that, like last week and I couldn't remember what it was called either. But about ultra running. Yeah. We'll, we'll yes. get it from him. Cause that sounds really interesting. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a solid book. Hmm. Um, but anyway, he has a chapter and it says, know when to give up and that kind of like hit home with me i was reading it like a month ago and i was like looking back saying well maybe that's kind of what i was doing just kind of like going through the motions because i was scared what other people would think if they learned that i quit <laughs> um or scared what would happen if i was if i had just done all this work because you don't realize how much just wasted time i, I would have spent on this idea and just seeing it all go to nothing like that was that was just terrifying to me but it's kind of ties into that lesson of not being scared to fail, hmm. which I was definitely terrified to do. I'm still obviously not an expert at life yet, but it seemed to have worked out for me to keep me going. But that's one of the biggest things that kept me going was just being scared of what happened if I didn't. And also I had the, the images of guy, I, I like, I know this can work and like, it's just so close to working and really all that I needed. And like all I've ever needed is just definitive proof that it works. Hmm. You know, because companies, they're, they're always willing to spend money on advertising, but they're only willing to spend on things that are directly, you know, work. Billboards have been around forever. They, they work. Online's been booming and, like, people know it works. But, like, car wraps, it's, like, hard to track and all this stuff. And so this whole time I was just thinking, ah, please, just give me one. And, like, I know if I can just prove that it works, <laughs> I can just sell this to everyone. So, yeah, those, those are kind of the two biggest things that, that kept me going when that time after that, that first co-op campaign and then around this time was the end of the, the school year. And that actually, with Longhorn Startup, we had something called Demo Day, which was an awesome experience. It was essentially every company in the class, which there were about 13 of us, we went up and we pitched on a stage in front of tons of people. You know, it was like 500 some odd people of, of students. And then Josh Baer, because he knows everybody and everything, he invited all of these, you know, investors and like, real startup people to come and watch. And so it was a great experience, like being able to being able to, to pitch in front of these great people and have this great feedback. And so that that was a that was a really fun experience. 
And like after I was doing that, I saw like how well people responded to my pitch and like everyone was like, man, that's awesome. It's a great idea. That kind of really helped me moving forward, knowing that like, hey, people believe in this. I killed Mm. that pitch. So that ended the school year for me. And that pitch becomes important later on down the road. But around that time, I had also applied to the Genesis program, which for those of you who do not know, it's an on-campus funding resource, the best thing ever. They essentially give grants to student-run startups. It's a great program. And startups don't have to give anything back. You get up to five grand. And they're just doing it just to support entrepreneurship on campus. Mm -hmm. It's one of the the many great resources. And so I've been going through this application process for a while. And about a month into the summer, when, again, all hope was lost and there's nothing going, I get a note from Genesis. And they're saying, congrats, Freddie. You have been selected to get your company funded. And besides actual money, what it meant for me was there was a company who I'd been trying to advertise with for a while. It's called Pet Crew. It's a pet care service. They'll come to your house, all this great stuff. And they they wanted to advertise and, you know, they were kind of waiting to get the timing right. And so that was one of the ones that had been 90% on my plate for a long time. And Genesis says, hey, we'll give you this much money. What we ended up using it for was boosting the Pet Crew campaign from just a one-car advertisement to a three-car. And so... Why that's good. Now Pet Crew is letting me be a lot more involved in the tracking process. So we're going to be able to use direct coupon codes on the, the advertisement, be able to monitor all these crazy metrics that will be able to tell me whether or not this actually works. And so in the second week of July, we're launching that campaign with them. And it's going to be three cars for three months. And at the end of that, the hope is, I mentioned that like, I just need one person to try this and I'll have this great data. Well, the hope is to get this great data and be able to directly calculate the ROI on this type of advertising and say, look, if you invest X amount of dollars on this advertising, we'll get you 6X. And so that's what we hope to get from this Pet Crew campaign. And that's all thanks to Genesis. And so, yeah, I'm I'm waiting until the second week of July because that's when Pet Crew wants to get everything rolling. But when that starts, everything will be up and running again. So that's pretty much it. Tell you what, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. You've done a lot in a short period of time. Let, let me ask you this. What's been the biggest risk that you've taken? This is life. I got to say, like, I've had it so easy with this, just knowing, like, some of the crap that other people go through. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, starting a company, although it is terribly hard, it's either definitely worse things to go through. But I would say the biggest risk that I took was, and I don't know if this will sound like patting myself on the back, but, like, doing it alone. Hmm. That's something that was still is incredibly difficult are you looking for a co-founder <laughs> uh, a, little, a little too late but i'm always open no Fre- it's freddy at pp.advertising.com never you know? too late for a co-founder yeah you know i tried i tried it with a couple different guys and ended up not working out and i was like well maybe i can just do this alone and that's something that's really terrifying hmm. like actually trying to do it on your own and it's you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of and everyone told me 90 percent of all single founder companies fail and I'm not saying I'm a success, but it, it was hard, like, going in, flying into the face of that and, like, hearing, like, it's so much better with the team and, like, watching everyone, like, be with the team and having fun. And like, You're out there solo. Yeah, I'm just over here by myself. I'm a freshman, and I wouldn't have taken myself seriously, like, looking from the outside, but <laughs> that was tough. And, I mean, I wish I had some, some really cool answer about, like, how I turned down a full-time job offer or something. That may be the biggest risk I've taken is, is doing this alone, just knowing how big the odds were against me. All right, we're going to go rapid fire here. Okay. Two-minute drill. This Do is the it. last two minutes. You have one last tweet to send to humanity. Mm-hmm. What does it say? 
I would say that happiness is more than achieving goals. Hmm. What is the book that you have not written? What's the title? It's funny because I think <laughs> about it. I usually think about it as a movie, but it's called Startup. And it's it's mm. literally just this story that I've told. And obviously, you know, it'll be much cooler and it'll be like Ryan Reynolds playing me. But I just think it's it's a story that a lot of people can relate to. So if it's fourth and one and you've got one play to push it over the goal line and score, what's the go-to movie or poem or book or song? What is something that you go back to that oh, that provides man. that inspiration for you? Yeah, that's oh. One of them, number one, Kid President Pep Talk, one of the best videos of all time. Gets me every time. Yes. Um, I remember I was at a, I was at a conference recently, and like they were playing it, and I was like saying every word, and the people next to me were like looking at me, like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? But I love that. A kid's so cute. It keeps me going. I guess I'd have to keep that as my number one, but you know, yeah. I'm still like, talking with close friends and family. That's, uh, that's always a help, too. What is the cliche that you would eradicate from the earth? If there was one cliche, then when you hear it, it's like the sound of a thousand nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, hard work pays off. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you should like give up and just sit on the couch, but my biggest adage is work work smarter not harder. Nice. Because like I mentioned earlier, like I was working like as much as I could because I thought that, that that would be like, you know, I hear that like all that matters is like how hard you're willing to work. And that's not all that matters. That is such a lie. There's so much more that matters than willing to work hard. And I'm sorry if that's like spoiling people's parties, but you got to have some skill. And like recently I've kind of realized how little work that I actually need to do Hmm. and like just working on the things that need to be done and things that are urgent Hmm. and that's working smart. And so I'm not burning myself out and I have so much more room for all this other stuff that I can do. Mm -hmm. Freddie Purchase, founder, CEO of Beep Beep Advertising. Tell us where to find you and Beep Beep Advertising. Yes. Good old worldwide web and social media. Um, I'm not really too much on social media myself. That's just how I roll. You can find me in person. I have some really nice hair. You can see. We'll, we'll put your while. picture up in the show notes so they yes. can kind of take Please. that. And... Yeah, come come say what up to me if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. I love to chat always. But you can find the company at beepbeepadvertising.com, beepbeepadvertising on Facebook. If you happen to be CEO of some company that's looking to spend a ton of money on advertising, I'm your guy. If you're a driver for a rideshare for delivery service, and there's an application on the website, a great way to earn a couple hundred extra bucks a month. So yeah, that's where you can find Nice. Us. Freddie, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having right, me. Man.